My name is Gria, and I'm one of the elders here at our church. I'm also the children's ministry director, and this is actually my first time preaching a sermon. So it's kind of exciting, I think. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's really great. Like, I do feel you guys are part of my family, so it's, uh, I'm not that nervous. But it's really good to be up here. And uh, really, when you know that you're preaching a sermon the following Sunday, and uh, you know, gave me a big heads up, much bigger than a week, um, you actually start to pay really, really close attention to the services. So I'm kind of like the kid at the front of the class, like, pick me, coach. I think I know what you're talking about. And, you know, I've been reading and listening to Second Peter, the, the book that we're in, a lot. So that's kind of like the, the, the kids sort of studying with the glasses. I'm really, I've been reading it in different translations. I've been listening to it. I'm even loving some new translations like the King James. I don't read that a whole lot because I find the English pretty hard to understand. However, if you read it and get into it and have a dictionary handy for some of us that need it, uh, it's actually really good. It's a really good translation. I've read the Bible many times, and I've read Second Peter even more times than that. But doing these kinds of things, getting ready for the sermon, it actually brings out a whole lot more that I didn't think was there before. So in a sense, I'm encouraged, and I would encourage us to do those kinds of things. When we go through the book of the Bible here, just you know, study it over and over. You will get a lot out of it. And pay attention to the sermons. You'll get a lot out of that too. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Let's pray, and then we'll, then we'll jump in. So, Father, we, we just thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to come before you on Sunday and listen to your word. I just I pray that I would speak your words, Father, and where I don't, I pray that people will be wise to Look at, look, at, look at the Bible, look at your word, and, and see the differences, Father. And, uh, yeah, we do pray that you will be here with all of us and uh, bring us closer to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, before we, let's see, before we jump in, let's recap kind of where we are in Second Peter. So, what do you guys think when you see a life ring, what comes to mind? Oh, this is like feedback, feedback time. What's it? So, what comes to mind when you see a... Life ring, yeah, no, chapter one, I got it right. Help. Help, yeah, okay, what else? Safety, safety. okay, good. Yeah, so uh, these ideas of uh, help, safety, also like guarding, that's kind of the, the word on there, you can say that too. So, um, you know, guarding yourself, and uh, and we talked about this in uh, chapter one of First Peter. So, um, there were a few things, for example, we hit on how you could be more effective for Christ, that was towards the beginning. Uh, that was Ben's Ben's sermon, and you see all those leaves at the back there: the faith, uh, goodness, uh, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. Ben talked about all that, and uh, and how we can be more effective for Christ. So that was part of that was part of First Peter. There was also uh, later on we talked about um, how it's good to be reminded of all these things, and and I think Dave used the example of how we remind our children all the time, over and over, man, do this thing, do this thing, and it's, it's good. In a sense, in, in Second Peter, we're also reminded about those qualities and the kind of things that we have in Christ. And uh, last week, they talked about uh, the importance of Scripture and just how, uh, how highly we view the Bible. So that was, all, that was all chapter one. Now we move on to chapter two, which is the sword. So what do you guys think when you see a sword? What are the kind of things that come to mind? Being ready, okay, good, yeah. Yes, what else? <laughs> offense, okay, good. So somebody said offense. You think offense, great, okay. Fight, okay, so, so that is true. There's, there's a lot there about being, uh, being ready, being, uh, being on offense, but also 
don't just think offense. For example, um, the Army, the Navy, and the Air Force, they're part of our Department of Defense. They're not part of our Department of Offense. So just because there's a sword or a weapon, it doesn't mean you have to use it to attack. Um, but it does mean you have to be uh, guard, you know, on guard um, and ready. Ready for an attack, you may or may not need to use it. Um, and finally, what do you think of when you see a trumpet? Alarm music, good. Jazz, okay, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> jazz, yeah, I don't think about jazz. Um, so chapter 3 then moves on to where we are to uh, guard our hope and our confidence, but, but the whole chapter is really about um, the coming back of, of Jesus and being, being ready and being guarded uh, for that. So guarding your hope, guarding your confidence. So um, this is our first time uh, diving into chapter 2. So let's, uh, let's, let's be ready for that. We're going to do something with, uh, with the children to kind of just show how we're moving from chapter 1 to chapter 2. So can I have some, uh, let's see, children volunteers. How about kindergarten and first grade? Okay, I have one over there. I have another one over here. Who else? Kindergarten and first grade? Come on, come on up, come on up. It's okay. I'm not going to bite. Okay, so you guys, you see all these boxes here? I want you to turn them around and have them all show the sword to the audience, okay? Because we're moving on from the chapter about guarding yourself to being ready for attack. Okay, keep going. There's three more. There's three more. It's okay. There you go. Good. All right. Come on, Micah. You got this. Get in there. Don't let them get in front of you. Oh, sorry. I mean, serve one another. <laughs> Good. All right. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Can we give our young helpers a hand? Good job, man. <laughs> okay. Whoa, 24. How did that happen? So, um, so I love the show 24. It's no longer on TV, but it was a great show, probably one of the greatest shows to ever grace our TV screens. Um, so uh, it's about this man named Jack Bauer. And Jack is uh, a character many would probably look up to. As far as his character is unwavering, he always seemed to, uh, he's got a really high view of what's right, and he he does a lot of crazy things to do what's right. And, uh, you know, and there are jokes about Jack Bauer, like, when Jack Bauer does push-ups, the earth moves, right? It's not Jack, it's the, so, so, you know, Chuck Norris, think that kind of thing. Um, and in the first season, one of the main characters, her name was Nina, and uh, she comes on, and she's, uh, you think she's on Jack's team. It turns out that she isn't. She's a double agent, and uh, she's sort of undercover, and man, does it... Does it really wrangle your insides to see that, um, that she's just not with Jack? She's against him, and, and he doesn't even detect it. He doesn't figure it out. Well, um, in a sense, our passage today is about uh, false teachers and how, how they can be amongst uh, regular non-false teachers and how they're hard, very, hard to, uh, very hard to detect. So, so let's read, let's read our, uh, our chapter again, our, our passage again, and we'll, we'll, do, we'll get right into it. So... I'm going to read it one time. Second Peter uh, 2, verses 1 through 3. And if you are using the Bibles in front of you, that's on page 875. Um, and if you're not using it, it's right after, Second Peter is right after First Peter. And uh, <laughs> it's towards the end of your Bible. Though. So, let's see. It, it goes like this. Second uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 1. 
But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. So there are some themes that come across in that passage. There are, there are things around false teaching, things around destruction coming. There's a warning there, and there's also a sense of repetition of those kinds of things. So here's how we're going to break this up today. Um, our big idea that we're going to talk about over and over is this idea that false teachers are here, and uh, we should be able to detect them, but at the same time, we should be able to know what the truth is. We should know that they're coming, and uh, again, detect them. Also, um, later in verse 3, we'll talk about what happens in the end, um, and with all that, even though it's not really in our passage, I do want to talk about grace a little bit, because I think the passage does warrant that. So we'll talk about grace and mercy uh, in that as well. So let's get, let's get into it. The importance of Scripture is actually stressed earlier in chapter 1. And if we look, just look back a little bit to verse 16, so first Peter, um, 2 Peter 1, 16, it says, For we did not know, we did not follow cleverly devised myths, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. What he's talking about there is at the transfiguration, so where uh, Peter was, um, and Peter saw Jesus transformed. He, he's telling them, look, I saw Jesus face to face, and I saw his glory. I'm transformed. So he, he had this really amazing experience that maybe none of us have had, uh, where you actually see Jesus face to face, and you see him in his glory. So Peter saw this. And yet, a few verses later, here's what he says, which is pretty surprising, um, or it could be surprising. In verse 19, he says, so even though, even though he saw Jesus like that, he says in verse 19 of chapter 1, we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention. So, he saw Jesus face to face, transfigured, and yet he says we have something more sure, the prophetic word, uh, which, is, you know, which is the Bible. So, you have that as a backdrop for now he's talking about false teachers. So you can see how, how the word of God is so important, like um, that we have to pay such close attention to it. And of course, he's, gonna, he's just going to really emphasize how important it is to, to know the false and, and, uh, and truth with that kind of viewpoint. So let's see. Looking at verse 1, which says this. False prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. So let's look a little bit about what are false prophets. But even before we do that, sometimes the best way to spot a counterfeit, to spot somebody false, is to see the real thing. What does the real thing look like? Okay, now I get it. That's not the real thing, obviously. It's, it's something else. So, um, so, so for example, like, man, I love my wife. I do. I know her very well, not perfectly. I think that's going to take me a lifetime and then some. Uh, but I know her really well. Like I know how she walks, I know how she moves, I know what makes her laugh. Uh, I study her, if you will, and I still don't know her at all, but I know her pretty well. Um, there are, I don't know, 3.5 billion women in the world, let's say. I would, I'm confident I'd have no issue picking Jamie out 
out of all those women. No issue whatsoever. Even if she had like a twin and somebody wearing a wig or whatever, I, like I would just know. Like I would talk to her. I would know. Like no, no, you're not my wife. Like that. That's okay. So um, that's of course it's an example because we know how to recognize people and so forth. But man, isn't that the way it should be with us in Jesus? Like if you know Him really, really well. You should have no confusion whatsoever about what's not from him. Um, so, so keep that in mind as we think about false prophets, false teachers. And uh, let's see. And now looking at false prophets, in the Old Testament, these guys were, uh, we were actually warned about them even back there. So in a verse like Deuteronomy 18, uh, verses 21 to 22, you don't have to go there. I'll just read it. Um, if you say in your heart... How may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? So how do we know if it's a false prophet? When a false prophet, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. Basically, if a prophet says, hey, something's going to happen, and it doesn't happen, don't worry. It's not from God. Like Anything from God is true. So, uh, for example, in First Kings, uh, in chapter 17, 18, around there, there's Elijah, and he is a true prophet of God, and he predicted that a drought was going to come. And it did come, not like Jared Lanky in California, where you can predict, you know, it's not going to rain, you're probably going to be right most of the time. Uh, but it's more really, like he predicted there was a drought, and there was a drought for three years, and it only came back, and he said beforehand, it's going to start raining by my word. When I say it's going to rain, then it's going to rain. And so three years later, Elijah said, yep, there's going to be rain, and indeed rain came. So that's an example of a, uh, of a true prophet. So because the, word is, the words that they speak are from God, then they're going to be true. A little bit later, we're going to get into what does it mean for a prophet to know the future because God knows the future. So what does it mean for God to know the future? We'll talk about that later, but keep that thought. For now, needless to say, true prophets, when they speak, it's true. So that's in the Old Testament. How about the New Testament? What did Jesus say he was going to do? What kind of a prophet was Jesus? Children, I said Jesus a few times. Um, so, uh, so, and remember, well here, Matthew 16, 21, this is what Jesus says. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. So Jesus, before he did all those things, he said, I'm going to die, I'm going to, be, I'm going to rise from the dead on the third day. And what happened? He did exactly as he said he would. And there are a bunch more examples, but there's just one to show, you know, Jesus was a, what you would call a true prophet. He was a true teacher, not a false teacher. Looking back at the verse that says false prophets are among the people, just there'll be false teachers among you. What's kind of what's the difference between a false prophet and a false teacher? Well, prophets really talk about things that are going to happen in the future. Teachers, like we have many teachers in the room, right? Yeah. Okay, you're generally not making stuff up about what's going to happen five years from now. You're really teaching something that's already there, like math. Let's pick math. I love math. You know, the, and so, so it's pretty easy to see like, if you're teaching the right thing or the wrong thing because you look at the books and you look at the sources and you can, you can figure that out. So similarly here, when it's talking about false teachers, they're, they're talking about teachers that are um, 
speaking or not speaking what's, what's in the Bible. And uh, moving on to the next part of the verse, as far as what is it that these kinds of teachers teach? Well, they will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Heresies, that's a big word. Like It's, it's even hard to pronounce. So heresies, uh, the, it's really something that's, um, like the Greek word, for example, is uh, sect or faction or division or parties. So it's really bringing in destructive teaching. So this is the, the false teacher are bringing in destructive teachings. And, uh, you know, destructive in, in what sense? Um, well, and we'll get into that later. They're really destructive to the hearers. So people that listen to false teaching, uh, it hurts them. It's destructive to the way of truth. And we'll talk about that in a sec. Um, and it's also destructive to themselves. We'll talk about that as well. So um, it's destructive teaching in many different ways. It hurts hearers. It hurts themselves. It hurts even the way of truth. And... Uh, and then the next part of the verse says, you know, they're even denying the master who bought them. And, man, that's a super hard verse, I think. Uh, the fact that they're teaching destructive heresies and they're denying the master who bought them. So as I was reading this, uh, I thought, oh, thanks, Dave. <laughs> like, that's a really hard passage. Um, but because, I mean, I've always thought, and as I've studied the Bible, like, once Jesus has a hold of you, like, he doesn't let go. So, but this passage, if you read it like that, it, it might seem like they could deny, um, they could deny Jesus. So I look at verses like Philippians 1.6 that says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Meaning, Jesus began a good work in you. Man, he's going to complete it. You're not going to complete it. He is. Like, okay, that makes sense. Or I look at uh, Romans 8 verses 38 to 39 that says, for I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it's like, like wow, like, what can separate you from the love of Jesus? What can separate you from Jesus? Nothing. And so, um, so you come to this first that they're now denying, the, these false teachers are denying the master who bought them. And, uh, you know, and how, how do you explain it? Well, I've, I've looked around a bunch, and, uh, and really I think the, the best explanation I've found, that I'd encourage you to dig in further, the best explanation I've found is the fact that, uh, you know, they have, these false teachers have acknowledged Christ in the past, but uh, they didn't really mean it. And it was really um, because of their actions now, it just shows that they never, that it was just a way for them to sort of to get in the, the they were never quite, Jesus never had really a hold of them, but it was something that they taught, and man, now like they teach against that, so it's easy, they're easy to spot. Um, but anyway, hard verse, I'd encourage you to dig further. So, they're denying the master who bought them, moving on to the next part of the verse, which says they're bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Is that swift as in really quick? So, for example, you know, a false teacher goes up, they say something against Christ or against the Bible, second later, bam, destroyed. No, it doesn't quite work like that. Um, so, even later in Second Peter, we know that for God, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. So, it's not swift in the way that we think 
very, very fast. But it is in a way that it will happen. And in God's timing, it is swift. Uh, it is fast as far as how God thinks about it, not necessarily how we think about it. Um, and and, and the, the word destruction, like what kind of destruction is coming? Well, it doesn't mean that there are no riches or you're, you get unhealthy or you don't have success in the world or whatever. No, no, that's not what it means. Um, it's really what happens in the end. We know that false teachers uh, can be all those things. They can be healthy, uh, good-looking, and uh, worldly successful and rich and whatever. It, it's, it doesn't have to do with that. Um, but it is that eternally what's going to happen to them. So let's move on to detecting these false teachers. We, we talked a bit about the fact that, you know, just don't be surprised. They're coming, um, and, and that's okay. Uh, we, should, we should know that. Um, moving on in the verse, it talks about how many will follow their sensuality. Oof, another big word. Uh, and this is where I looked at the King James Version, and uh, the word there is pernicious. It's a big word. And pernicious means causing insidious harm or ruin. Ruinous, injurious, hurtful. Um, also, but it could also be, if you look at the Greek, it could also be impurity, immorality, idolatry, drinking party, etc. So really, these false teachers, they're following their wicked ways. That's one way to look at it, uh, or their sensuality. And, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And, uh, and blasphemed actually means that it's, it's to speak evil of or to slander or abuse. So because of them, the way of truth will be spoken evil of. So how many people here have ever used Yelp, the service Yelp? Okay, fair amount, right? So you, you go online, and, uh, and it tells you, you know, people can go on and they can review certain businesses, right? And uh, let's pick Scrambles as the best breakfast place. <laughs> As the best breakfast place in the world, because it is. Uh, it's just down the road, too. And I don't work for them. So. But anyway, so let's say somebody goes on there, and, uh, and they review scrambles. And they say, you know, I ate there, and it was terrible. Like, oh, I had food poisoning the next day. You know, I hated my coffee. You know, they put salt in my coffee. Yeah, I, I, like, it was, just, it was just terrible. And, uh, and if the, even, like, if other people go on there, and they say, no, 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 no. You got the wrong place. That was Denny's. Like, that wasn't Scrambles. Like, <laughs> you, you think about the wrong thing. And, you know, the owner will go on. Even the owner can go on and say, no, um, you know, we have fresh eggs and the best orange juice in town, whatever. Um, as a bystander looking at those reviews, even though perhaps there was something false said in there about the place, your view of it is now tainted. You just, you're going to go in, and it's just going to be different. Even if there's, you know, a lot of, like a thousand comments that are good, you kind of look for the ones that are bad. It's like, fine, good. What's the bad one? Like, what should I be afraid of? And so you can see that when we say, when, when the verse says, the, because then the way of truth will be blasphemed, or the way of truth will be spoken evil of, that impacts the way of truth. That impacts um, what it's about, even if, even if it's not true. Um, it's very much impacted. So that's why it's a, it's a really big deal. False teachers are a really big deal because they blaspheme. They speak evil of the way of truth, and that hurts the way of truth. And so what, did, what is the way of truth? Well, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
Let's talk a little bit about that. What does it mean when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life? No one comes to the Father except through me. And some of you would, would know this, some of you wouldn't. Like a simple way to explain um, what Jesus has done and why. Um, there's this, this thing called the Romans Road, where we use different verses from the book of Romans that talk about, uh, talk about what happened uh, and why. So it starts with, it starts with Romans 3.23. And Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It says, for some have sinned. No, 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 no. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Regardless, everyone in this room, everyone in the world, everyone has sinned and they fall short of the glory of God. Then, however, Romans 6.23, if you move on from there, it says, for the wages of sin is death. So, everyone has sinned. The wages of sin is death. Okay, ouch. That means that everybody deserves death. Okay, Gria. Great. Thank you. Uh, Romans 5.8, though, if you keep moving on, um, it says that, but God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, everyone has sinned. Everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone deserves death. However, when we're in all that, Christ died for us. So whether you're a liar, adulterer, cheater, drunkard, whatever, pick your favorite or your least favorite sin. Uh, for all of those, Jesus died. And then in Romans 9, I mean, I'm sorry, in Romans 10, verses 9 through 10, it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. So even though everyone has sinned, everyone has fallen short of the glory of God, everyone deserves death, when we were still in all those sins, Christ died for us. It wasn't because of something great that we did and said, look at me, I, you know, I work out, right? Or look at me, I did this great thing, and look at me, I've cleaned myself up. I'm, I, I, I don't lie, and I'm not a murderer, I'm not an adulterer. Uh, before all that... Um, Jesus died for us. And then if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that's pretty cool. Um, so when we talk about the way of truth, think those kinds of things uh, in, in your mind. However, there is one really key piece upon which all of Christianity hinges on. Um, and that is the resurrection. Okay, that was, you know, we talked about that a little bit, but... Um, in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, says, If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Wow. So if Christ hasn't raised, like, we're done. Like, none of this matters. That's what it's about. So when you think, oh, do I trust in Christianity? Think about the resurrection. That's really the, that's the key. Or 1 Corinthians 15, 32 says, What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised... Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. So the Bible is very clear that, man, if Christ isn't raised, it doesn't matter. You can throw it all out the window. Like, that's it. However, man, Christ has been raised. We know that from the Bible. We know that from lots of different evidences. And that's what our faith hinges on. So that's really, that's the heart of it. Now, um, many people have had um, hurtful situations 
uh, from Christians or people that have said to be Christians. Many people have had bad experiences there. And, uh, you know, that could be false teachers uh, that have impacted you um, or not. But, again, trying to make a good Yelp review for us. Um, and so I was looking online a little bit, and anecdotally, uh, millions of young people, they discovered, they see us Christians as judgmental, hypocritical, anti-homosexual, too political, insensitive, and boring. Whew, that's a hard one. Yeah, so, um, you know, sometimes we come across as that, right? But let's just, let's just make sure that, um, you know, some, sometimes you have to come across maybe at some of those things. Uh, but Christ is attractive. Like, once you come to him, he'll change you. So, so just be really careful about what you go after and what you don't go after. And think about the things that are, that are important. For example, even amongst Christians, we've had uh, lots of different arguments, right, around is, uh, is it evolution or creation? Is it uh, predestination or free will, right? There's lots of these things. And, man, like some, those, some of those are great conversation, actually. And uh, I don't mean to take away from those because when you study those kinds of sort of deep topics, you actually learn about God. And, um, and it's very helpful to, to make up your mind, to see what the Bible has to say and just to kind of think through it. But, uh, but I guarantee you, as best as I can, I guarantee you that in heaven there will be people that believed in predestination and people that believed in free will. I guarantee you there will be people that thought evolution was the thing and people that thought creation was the thing. And there are people that thought a young earth is the thing versus an old earth is the thing. Guarantee we'll have all those people there. But when it comes to Christ and him being the only way, that's not really up for debate. So, let's move on. In verse 3, it says, In their greed, they will exploit you with false words. So, uh, you know, in what ways will they exploit us? You know, they're looking to take advantage of us, perhaps. Here, um, it alludes to a monetary sort of uh, desire, but it could certainly be other reasons that... Uh, that false teachers would come and, and exploit, uh, exploit us with false words. Uh, perhaps you uh, like to hear only certain things. So uh, perhaps you have some things that, man, like when somebody says that, like it just makes me feel good, and I'm just going to believe everything else they say. For example, we're actually told about this in the Bible. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 to 4, it says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching years, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to, to the truth and wander off into myths. So you, you have certain dispositions and you hear teachers and it's like, ooh, I like what he's saying. That whole thing that Gria said about everybody being sinful, no, 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 I, I, don't, I don't like that. But I'm going to look somewhere else. Oh, okay, that teacher has a slightly different take on it, which, well, maybe it's not quite what the Bible says, but it's okay, I like it. Um, and so sometimes false teachers just exploit different desires of, uh, of different people. And, uh, and that's, not, that, that's not great either. And we, uh, you know, you see that today in the sort of health and wealth and prosperity gospels, right, where people say, man, you come to Jesus, he will give you health, you're going to climb up the career ladder, uh, oh, that, that sickness that you have, that, that cancer, oh, don't worry about it. You come to Jesus, he will heal you. And that's, that's not what the gospel is about. Like, we're not promised that. Um, so we shouldn't be confused. We shouldn't be 
um, you know, looking for those kinds of things. And also, sometimes they deny the gospel straight out. Um, so the, the world, in general, is sinful. You shouldn't be surprised that there are false teachers, right? Sinners sin. We talked about everyone's just like, sinners sin. Don't be surprised. Um, so it's obvious when some teachings are just completely way off mark, like, okay, that's not even close. It's very confusing, though, when people claim to be Christians and the things they say are not accurate uh, in the name of Jesus. Whew, like, that's much harder to spot, right? That's more like the, the tiger in my... Uh, you know, in my pictures, like, you can kind of see it, like, or do you? Um, so for that, I'd encourage you to be like um, this group of people in Acts. Uh, they're referred to as the Bereans. And these guys, when the apostles would talk to them, so like, the apostles are powerful preachers, to say the least, much more powerful than, uh, than myself at this, uh, at this pulpit. But even with, the, with that kind of preaching, these Bereans would go and they look in the Word. They would look in the Bible to see if what they were hearing matched what the Bible said. And, uh, and the great thing is that they saw that, they read, and, and they believed. It says that as a result of looking at the Scriptures, looking at the Bible, they believed. And so I'd encourage you guys to, when, when I preach or Ben or Dave, um, you, you should look at the Scriptures and you should see... Um, is this right? Is this according to the scriptures? And man, I, my hope, my prayer is that as a result, you would believe uh, more. So, let's talk a little bit about the, sort of what happens to these, to these teachers in the end. And uh, the, continuing the verses, is their condemnation from long ago is not idle. So, At, um, condemnation uh, from long ago, it's something along the lines like it hangs over them. It's really from a long time back. Um, there's a parallel verse in Jude 4 that says, certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So um, there's this idea that, you know, this isn't a surprise to God. Like he knew about this from long ago. Okay, and it, it might or might not be happening right now, but it, it's coming right now. So, uh, the Greek word for long ago uh, appears in Second Peter three five, and that's it in the whole New Testament. Uh, it is they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water, and so on. So, this is happening, or this has happened from very long ago. God knew about this. You know how how does that actually happen? So let me give you a little warning here. Like uh, We're going to go and talk about two attributes of God. One could say this is a deep part of the sermon, okay? So, uh, so, 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 so be ready. Like If you ask a child, for example, should we try that? Let's try it. Okay, children, how does Jesus know what's going to happen? Because he's God. He's God, right? I think that was the first thing I heard, because he's God, right? Okay. So that's the answer, right? Like, man, he knows because he's God. But what is that? Like, what about God is it that has him know these kinds of things? And there's two, there's two, God has many attributes. There's two that I want to talk about. One is the fact that God is eternal or he's eternity. And the other one is that he's all-knowing or omniscient. Like I said, this is 
harder, but let's, let's work through it. So the eternal part, uh, this is from uh, a systematic theology book uh, by Wayne Grudem, and it says uh, the definition is for eternal is that God has no beginning, no end, or succession of moments in his own being, and he sees all time equally vividly. Okay? So God has no beginning, no end, and in all of that, he sees everything all the time, equally vividly, exactly the same, which is with, with extreme clarity. There's this idea of a continual presence that God has. He's, he's just always there. You see this in the Bible when God refers to himself as I am, uh, or in, in, uh, in Exodus, you know, I am who I am. There's this idea of just he's completely, he's always there. He always, he always sees things. So, so that's one thing. God is eternal. We're not eternal. So it's very hard for us to understand the, understand the concept. One of the examples that's used is maybe after you read a book, right, you read a book, and then as you finish, you kind of have it in your mind, and you kind of sort of look through all the pages really quick. And at, at that one moment in time, you kind of know most everything that's happening in that book. Now, that's hard. Again, it's hard for us to understand eternity, but that could be one way to think. Well, God has that all the time perfectly about our whole world and everything that's happening. And along those lines, God is also all-knowing. He's omniscient. Simply put, uh, God knows everything. He's perfect in knowledge, and, uh, and he knows everything. So with, with this kind of viewpoint about God and about who he is, he's eternal and all-knowing, wow, you better believe that when a prophet speaks and he thinks it's from God and he says that it's from God, dude, it's going to happen because God is eternal. He's all-knowing. He doesn't lie. He's not gonna. Like, it's, like he just sees it all. Like it's, it's, it's like he's just outside of it. Uh, and so, yeah, if it doesn't come true, it wasn't from God, um, because God always knows everything. Um, so, okay, coming out of the deep end of the pool, um, the last part of the the verse is you know their destruction is not asleep. So uh, we have this fact that. Uh, you know, the destruction is coming to the false teachers. And the, the fact that this destruction is not asleep, it, it brings to mind the, sort of the sleepy maidens in Matthew where they were um, waiting for the bridegroom and they fell asleep um, and, you know, and then they weren't ready for him. Like, don't worry, God is not sleeping. Uh, in fact, he just knows it all. He, he, the destruction may, may come sooner or later than you think. We just don't know. So let's move on to the grace part, right? A lot of a lot of warnings here uh, around false teachers and, and you know, being careful and so forth. But uh, I, just, I just feel we're being complete if we, if we don't talk about what, um, you know, a little bit more about God's grace and what he's done. And I'll, <laughs> I'll start with a, with a carpool example that happened to me. Some of my carpool buddies are here too. You know, I love to carpool, man. In fact, traffic drives me uh, insane kind of a strong word, but like it's really hard. And I carpool every day. I've carpooled for the past, I don't know, eight years, something like that, long time, very long time. And uh, to the point where it's just, it's just automatic. I get in the carpool lane and I you know, don't pay attention to anybody else. And uh, one day I was, uh, I was driving back from work and, uh, and I wasn't carpooling. Uh, I was uh, by myself, but I was you know, thinking about work and so on. I was zoning out. And uh, I get in the carpool lane, uh, going home and I'm driving, I'm looking next to him, I'm like, look at those guys, like, they're all so slow, but like, I'm going fast, I got, I got no worries here, right? Um, however, 
I realized, I was like, oh, I'm not a carpooler. Like, I need to turn. Like, I need to get out. I put, you know, like, nice driving citizen that I am on that occasion, just that occasion. I put on the blinker and I, you know, I got, I got in the carpool lane. I mean, off the carpool lane. The thing is, as I did that, a few car lengths in front, uh, there was a police officer kind of on the lookout for people that are cheating. And I love police officers that do that, actually. However, this time, he saw me. And uh, alas, he, he saw me. He pulled me over. I said, look, like, I carpool all the time. It was, I turned into the lane before I even saw you. Really? He's like, oh, okay, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and he gave me a ticket. You know, he gave me... He gave me a ticket, and uh, on the side of the road, it says the minimum limit is, what, 200-something? No, it was $500. Like, it wasn't, uh, you know, it's a big, uh, big thing. So, uh, you know, I say that because God isn't like that. Like, he could be. He's got every right to be, right? We all sin. Like, he's got every right to give you, us, judgment and ticket, if you will. Um, but he didn't. He doesn't necessarily do that. He gave us Christ instead. He gives us grace instead. So, so, you know, so when we talk about false teachers, if you look at even the Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of our New Testament and uh, has had a huge impact on, on the church and so on, here's what the Apostle Paul says in, um, in 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 through 17. This is what it says and how, he, how we see a huge display of grace in Paul's life. And it says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus, Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, we talked about this, like Paul was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason. That in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. And then he, he ends in, like I think, the most appropriate of ways, which is, to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So, it's like, like I was the foremost blasphemer, false teacher, insolent, uh, but Jesus died for me, and he saved me out of that. Uh, not because of me, but because of him, because of what he's done. So we should know, you know, false teachers are here. We should be able to detect them, right? And some are easier than others to detect them. But we should also know, you know, we should know the truth. We should know, uh, know Christ. Um, so we'll just, we'll just end. I'll reread verse 17 and we'll end it there. So um, uh, to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let me pray for us. We'll close it out. Father, we come before you and we are thankful that uh, you've given us warning and that, um, you know, that, that false teachers are here and 
but, but you've also given us a way to be able to detect them, Lord, to, to, know, to know the truth and know the difference. I pray that we will be able to. And, and Lord, I just pray that we would know you and the salvation that you've given us through your son Jesus more and more every day, Lord. I just, just pray that we would look to you, we would study you, we would love you, and be changed as a result, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.